blurred up blurred up welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a bpov a black pov you can find us on instagram at b-l-e-r-d p-r-u-p you can find us on facebook at b-l-e-r-d-u-p and we are on twitter at b-l-e-r-d-u find us on blurred.com our partners awesome website full of nerd content from a black cultural lens today we are going to talk about the new mortal Kombat movie 2021 is it a flawless victory I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Tiara. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Good to have you back on. Good to be back. Yeah. We actually saw this movie last Thursday, and we were going to put this show out on the weekend, but we had two hurdles. Number one, we were losing audio, and I actually just bought a new computer to help alleviate that problem. And, of course, there was the sudden passing of DMX. Are you a uh, are you a big DMX fan? I'm not a big DMX fan, but I've always enjoyed listening to DMX. Especially, I've enjoyed watching videos of DMX gardening and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone's been sharing that on social media. That mm-hmm. meme. I don't know. He had that side to him. I mean, I've seen that meme many times, but I didn't realize that that was such a big thing. I'm also not a huge fan of DMX, but a lot of my friends are sad about this. I think it's just the fact that he's one of the first rappers who was so aggressive in his style, but also had songs that revealed vulnerability. And that was a powerful thing, which was a lot of people, for sure. Definitely. Someone who seemed really, really tough, but also had a soft side. Yeah. I wrote a spoken word piece a couple years ago. It compared literal celestial stars to to people and specifically the stars that we see are celebrities and how stars look beautiful they're powerful but their gravity is so powerful it's literally constantly trying to destroy itself and Mm. we see celebrities like dmx or your mac millers your your robin williams uh chester uh, from lincoln park and sometimes people can you know outrun their demons and sometimes they can't and um it's very sad right yeah so rest in peace to dmx well <laughs> yeah i don't really have a good transition for for, for that <laughs> sorry but uh let's just get to this movie you have to you're in a hotel right now you need to uh need to check out soon right all right well let's get to mortal kombat then you are a mortal kombat fan right yes the, i am i've played all of the games yep all of the games all the all like like 11 like 15 games yeah like i played almost all the iterations of the games now i didn't own all of the games Mm -hmm. but i had friends who owned the games and i would just play it on their systems wow yeah i've only i played number two on the genesis like i played it i played the crap out that game and i played deadly alliance for the gamecube that was really cool you could change Mm -hmm. weapons and there's like three different styles you could choose from they they kind of really started to reinvent themselves after that. I can't think of a movie where the theme has carried the film quite like Mortal Kombat. Right. The theme song literally just carried it through decades yeah i mean there are there are movies that have good soundtracks like the whole soundtrack is great mm-hmm. 
I love Hackers. I know it's like not really a good movie, but I love that movie, and the soundtrack just really elevates that film. But for Mortal Kombat, yes. it's just that one song. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> just one song, and then that's the song that no has one. everybody remembering. No one knows the rest of that soundtrack. No one. But yeah, it, it, Mortal Kombat is iconic for its time, but it's not a good movie. And I think compared to Super Mario Brothers or Street Fighter, it's not so bad that it's fun to watch. Like It's just kind of lukewarm. To be honest, right. There was some great casting though. Robin Shaw as Liu Kang, he was on point. Christopher Lambert as Raiden, he was awesome. But my favorite performance was Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Tsung. Challenging Goro, eh? You weren't supposed to fight him. Now, are you that eager to die? I'm not the one who's gonna die. I see. You're very foolish. The true sign of a hero. You want to protect your friends, but make no mistake. They too will die after Goro destroys you. So what's the problem? As you wish. As absurd as your request is, I shall grant it. In return, I reserve the right to challenge the winner myself. Or another of my choosing. In a place designated by me for the final battle of the tournament. He just had a lot of charisma. And if you watch the movie again, and I watched it last week in prep for this review, you just look for his unique facial expressions when he talks or just simply reacts to what happens. Yeah, he had the best facial expressions when it came to anything in that movie. So it, I feel like he carried that movie. Carry it. I love you. Carried it. Um, but he was definitely like for, <laughs> for for me the best part for sure. He's the best part. Yes. When I think of Carrie, I think of literally Jim Carrey. He carried Sonic the Hedgehog, right? I don't think Shang Tsung had that much to do to carry the film. Mm-hmm. That's just me though. But anyway, Mortal Kombat uh, was a successful movie with a budget of eighteen million dollars. It brought in nearly hundred and twenty-five million dollars worldwide. Inspired an animated series. You ever watched that animated series? I watched a little bit of it, but not all of it. Yeah, I don't remember that too much, but I definitely watched it. it. Inspired other game, of course, Mortal Kombat 3. And quick trivia for those at home, if you didn't know, in the credits of the first film, there are symbols that kind of go down through the credits. If you type in that code in Mortal Kombat 3, you get a special effect in the game. And of course, the success of the movie ensured a sequel, which was terrible. <laughs> um, Annihilation was <laughs> horrible. Yes. And... The franchise's fatality was the box office, a measly $50 million on a $30 million budget. And while the games have continued to outdo themselves with each iteration, on a cinematic level, it has been dead for decades. In 2011, the amazing web series Mortal Kombat Legacy, starring Michael Jai White, showcased a more grounded and R-rated take. Finally, after nearly a decade later, we finally have an official reboot on the big screen, even though... Ironically, it will be consumed on your small screens uh, more often than not. For some reason, Korea was blessed with getting this movie nearly two weeks ahead of its worldwide release, and we're going to talk about it. So this is going to be a spoiler-free discussion at first, and we're going to limit that spoiler-free talk to what has been seen in the trailer. And then we're going to spoil a little bit after that, and we'll give you a clear warning. Okay? All right. So for me, 
I thought the movie started off really strong. And as seen in the trailer, we spend some, some time with Hanso Hasashi, who later becomes Scorpion. He's played by Hiroki Sanada. And you may remember him from Avengers Endgame when Hawkeye or Ronin fights that Yakuza boss in Japan. Sanada has such a, a strong presence. I mean, he's been in the, in the game for decades. But in this opening scene, he plays a range of emotions with the short time he has in this movie superbly. To me, the opening scene had the most heart and the best choreography. It feels like it belongs to an entirely different film, especially when you consider that the only languages used are Japanese and Mandarin. It could be a short film in itself. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, it's such a short amount of time in that scene. However, yeah. he played his role so well, and you could clearly understand and feel what was going on just in that short scene. And from there, we are introduced to Cole Young, a name as plain as the actor's performance, uh, played by Louis Tan. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Cole is essentially a has-been MMA fighter and new character created solely for this film. He is not from the game. There is no twist at the end. He's not from this game. Jackson, Sonia contact him and reveal that his birthmark means that he was chosen to someday participate in Mortal Kombat, a tournament that decides the fate of the Earth. Now, Cole is our avatar to understanding what this world is and its rules, what they're all about. But after a short time, it becomes apparent that none of the human characters know what's going on. And to me, Cole is probably the dullest of the characters. So I didn't enjoy spending so much time with him. I agree. We don't really remember much about him at all. Like, there's only two things you get about him. He fights and he has the family. The family. And that's it. <laughs> there's nothing else to this man. No. Nothing else to him. No. Jackson, Sonia, you know, they're fine. They serve their purpose. They never, they never underwhelm or exceed my expectations. The real breakout character for me was Josh Lawson as Kano. Oh, yeah. We watched this film with a number of people. And even though we disagreed on certain aspects, we all agreed on Kano. He doesn't match Jim Carrey's improvised performance from Sonic the Hedgehog, but he tried. He, he was easily the best part of this movie to me. He's funny as hell. It, he didn't he didn't give a physical comedic performance like Jim Carrey, but he had some great lines. Even though Cole's supposed to be our avatar to understanding the world, I typically found myself living through Kano sometimes as he joked about just how silly all of this was. In a way, it seemed like Kano was kind of a fourth wall break for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> in some yes. So yeah, in some ways, especially for some aspects of the movie where it just seemed really ridiculous Kano would come in and comment on how ridiculous that was. And it was like a fourth wall break because the audience agreed that this was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he never looked to the camera, so don't get the wrong idea. But Right. Yeah, he didn't look yeah. to the camera, but his comments made you feel like, you know, he got you. He understood how you felt. For sure. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, it was after the first act where things really started to fall apart for me. For one, the plot just becomes a bit sloppy. It felt like the writers were just throwing exposition at us at a rate and volume that clearly showed that this should have been a series instead of a movie. I actually see where you're coming from on that part uh, because of the way things were just given to you. They were yeah. given in such bite-sized chunks that for a series, it's much easier to expand on the chunks that you were given. But for a movie, there wasn't any time spent on the chunks. Like Godzilla King Kong, 
also had that a lot, but it was just about, you know, a lizard and a monkey, right? It's not right. a monkey, it's an ape. Right, I know. But this Mortal Kombat has so many characters, just powers and lack of intervention were arbitrarily given, weakened, or hampered at the convenience of the plot. It's like you could literally feel the writers pressing fast forward on character development or arcs. Like quite literally in the film, if you remember, it was casually said that the gods, the elder gods who have superiority over Raiden, which we'll get to, um, these, these, these elder gods who are supposed to be watching over both Earth Realm and Outworld in this tournament uh-huh. aren't paying attention. And this came at a critical time, critical times when rules were not only just being broken, but obliterated. And it was never brought up again as to why or how this was happening. After a while, like Godzilla and King Kong, I just started throwing my hands up in confusion. Again, if the movie doesn't care, I don't care. The actual writers don't care. And they even wrote it into the script for the overseers of this tournament not to care. (laughs) You know, so it's just a double whammy for me. And by the way, you know, just like the last film, there isn't, or just like the original film, there isn't an actual tournament. But to go into that would kind of spoil a little bit more than I'm comfortable with. So I'll save that for later. The plot, I feel, was barely there. The way I would describe the plot is basically a potato. You're getting a potato, right? You're cutting it open. You're getting ready to start cooking that thing to make it. But then you just start cooking it, and then you stop halfway before it's complete. Undercooked, And you take Right. It's an undercooked potato. That is this plot, an undercooked potato. Now, there's still some entertainment. Like you try to save it a little bit, you know, put some bacon bits on top of it sure. you know, to save it and add some entertainment. That's what it is. It's an undercooked, undercooked potato with bacon bits on top. A little bit of that uh, as sour cream. It's, you know, that kind of like, you know, slightly day old, you know, expired uh, sour cream and, and cheese. <laughs> right. <laughs> Make it look nice. Speaking of not looking nice, uh, Outworld is terrible. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> wow. Where the 1995 version did a good job of actually mixing CGI with practical sets and effects, you could really feel the limit of this new film's $65 million budget when we went to that realm. In fact, it felt like the shooting location for Outworld was the same as the location of Raiden's Temple, just with darker saturation. Mm -hmm. So this film was shot in South Australia in the deserts there, and both locations are pretty bare. Outworld is literally a desert with like some flags scattered around. There's like a half practical, half CGI throne where most of the scenes are shot. I think most of the set budget probably went to Raiden's temple, which was pretty cool, admittedly. Right. I want to circle back to Raiden himself. Uh, do you have anything else to say about that before mm. we go on? Nope, you can circle back. I didn't really feel much from Raiden's character. Tadanobu Asano plays him. And for the most part, he was pretty wooden. You may remember him as Thor's Asian friend who barely got any screen time in the Marvel films. Yeah. Even though Christopher Lambert was just being Christopher Lambert, I really enjoyed his warmth in that movie and his voice. You know, he has that memorable line, I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) There was one funny scene with this new Raiden, but there was little else to hold on to with him. And the CG on his eyes was silly. Oh it, my just, Lord. It, looked, it looked like like bad Photoshop the entire time. Like it, look, it looked like he was using a TikTok filter, you know? Like it was terrible. I don't know what they were thinking with that CGI. 
Like I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm pretty sure filters for Instagram were done better than that. Like that was terribly made. And then you expect Raiden to be a really cool character, you know? Mm-hmm. But the way he enters and exits every scene in the movie, it's just mediocrely done. And you talked about intervention and, and whatnot. That was talked about in the lat in the original film too, but it was really random about when he was supposed to do things and not supposed to do things. And on that note, I want to get to Shang Tsung. I think Shang Tsung was also very forgettable. Uh, right. He's played by Shin Han. He was the Asian character that Batman went to Hong Kong to kidnap in The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. What was written for both Shang and Raiden was pretty weak, especially the former. There wasn't anything written for him other than to glare. And actually, he doesn't fight at all. No. Yeah, I went home and I'm like, did Shang Tsung actually throw a punch? And I, I don't think he did. He has a squad, though. Melina, you see Melina in the, in the trailer. She's, like, licking her side. There's Cabal, Nitara, and, of course, Sub-Zero. But besides Sub-Zero, they don't get to do much at all. What also begins to stand out to me, I don't know about you, but it's simply just how outmatched most of Earth's fighters are compared to the ones on Outworld. As I said, the main character, Cole, is a has-been MA fighter who gets his butt kicked throughout most of this film. There was never a time where I had confidence in his abilities to be a true champion for Earth, as opposed to Liu Kang or even Kung Lao. Like, what does MMA, a combination of kickboxing and jujitsu, do against varieties of weapons plus superpowers? <laughs> you know, are you supposed to punch people who can teleport, fly, or have super speed? Go ahead and put the the, the giant lizard with acid breath in half guard. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> None of it. None of this stuff happens, but you can imagine the limited skill set Colt really has in this universe. Just kind of like Mortal Kombat Rebirth and Legacy, they try to ground this universe, but they really end up only grounding him and give the villains these amazing abilities. Yeah, I agree with that, especially when you see all of the characters. As soon as they appear, you know who they are. So like, if you're a fan of that character and you loved using them in the actual games then you get excited to see them or you might get really picky when you see their outfits but as far as just introducing that character there wasn't anything else added to them there wasn't much meat added to them except for sub-zero yeah and speaking of sub-zero we see jacks face off against him in the trailer now prior to getting his arms broken off he sees Sub-Zero pull off some pretty incredible feats, including freezing and destroying his gun. The man was at, at one point almost controlling the weather, but for some reason, Jax has this ridiculous confidence that he can defeat this person because he's done six tours, presumably, in the Middle East. Like, so what, bro? <laughs> right. Um, the dude controls the weather, bro. <laughs> what can you do about that? Yeah. This, this character was not written by black people <laughs> or, or, or smart people or smart people for that matter <laughs> <laughs> because really who, who thinks that way right that's how that's how all these fights were some of these characters were centuries years old with fantastic abilities and either the humans got their butts kicked because of that or the villains were beaten in goofy ways remember in the 95 film when sub-zero was beaten by a bucket of water <laughs> oh my lord Oh, that was ridiculous. (laughs) Like, he's just standing there charging up and just gets beaten by a bucket of water. Like, like what? It's it's just a plot convenience. A couple of these resolutions to these fights just felt 
convenient or rush to get to the fan service or the gore. Either mm-hmm. the writers or the choreographers just ran out of time, money, or both. Definitely. While we're on choreography, you know the trope when villains can easily kill the hero when they have the chance, but instead they throw them around or hold them until the hero can get out of it or kill the villain? Yeah. This happened so many times. One of the first and most egregious was the fight with Reptile. So you saw it in the trailer, Kano takes his heart, so it's not a spoiler about his fate. However, what's wild about that scene was that Reptile was camouflaged completely when it was first introduced. Not cheaply, like the 95 film. Like, you could legit not see it. It was better than the Predator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet multiple times throughout the action scene, it chose to just hit people into walls or simply hold them. This was repeated so many times in the film. Over time, the stakes just felt cheaper and cheaper to me. Right. Yeah, I I was impressed by the CGI when used in that scene, but that was pretty much as far as it went because if you can't see him at all, it could have been so much easier for him to just knock him out and that's it. He could have easily just won in that scene. Impaled. I mean, he could he could just tear him apart. He could do so many things. Mm-hmm. He's chose not to do it. Right. This movie just wasn't smart. I mean, Mortal Kombat doesn't have to be quote-unquote smart, but Don't insult our intelligence with just being lazy. A lot of it just felt lazy. Most of the fights felt lazy. The plot was sloppy. And this movie was co-written by Dave Callahan. Does this name ring a bell to you? Not at all. I've said it on a couple shows, but he's written cinematic classics like Doom with The Rock and Carl Urban, all of the Expendable movies, Zombieland, Double Tap, and of course, Wonder Woman 84. All of these are not great. And according to (laughs) IMDb, he has co-written Spider-Verse 2 and Shang-Chi, the Marvel film that's releasing this year. And I am, uh, I'm concerned. (laughs) Especially after watching this movie? Oh, yeah. Really concerned. Oh, I think he wrote, in part wrote, the first Godzilla film that came out was 2014, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he has a a relationship with Warner Brothers. He's just kind of in their stable. Okay. Um, Other writers are Greg Russo. This is his first film. And the other is Oren Uziel, who co-wrote 22 Jump Street, as if that story really depended on the writers. And Cloverfield Paradox was, of course, that was not well received. He did write uh, some Mortal Kombat stuff in the past, like Rebirth, that that short film that launched the web series. But I don't want to spend too much more on this film. I just want to go into my closing thoughts. This was disappointing for me. You had nearly 25 years to make something truly great, or at least pretty good. Aside from the incredible opening scene, to me, this movie feels like the quality level hovers between cinematic blockbuster and Netflix. Whereas a movie like Deadpool smartly uses its budget consistently throughout with the smaller cast and story, Mortal Kombat feels too ambitious for its budget and time constraints. It results in disjointed and clunky execution in its writing and action scenes. It really feels like two different films smashed together. A revenge story that bookends the messy main story of Mortal Kombat in the middle. There are easily too many characters to service, and with the exception of a few, they don't service them well. There were too many plot holes. There were too many cracks in the story. So you as a viewer, you're watching this and then you're thinking, wait, but why didn't he do this? Or why didn't she just do this? Because you know what would make the plot line move and what would make more sense. But 
they do everything that doesn't make sense. Yeah, totally. Um, I forgot to mention the director. The director is Simon McCoyd, and this is his directorial debut. Wow. Of course, sometimes a new director can be refreshing. You know, mm-hmm. Jordan Peele, of course. But with so little experience and weak pedigree across the board here, it culminates in yet another just subpar video game adaptation for me. But man, mm-hmm. WB, they have some cold-ass marketing teams. Remember when that Suicide Squad trailer came out in 2016 and everyone was on the hype train, but it was awful in the end? Oh, yeah. We were so hyped for that. We were so excited. And then we got trash. <laughs> like, this Mortal Kombat trailer looked nice. The, the, the poster put Sub-Zero and Scorpion front and center. Like, y'all, please, don't. We don't come back to Hanzo or Scorpion until the last five minutes of this film. Right. Hiroyuki Sonata is easily the best actor in this film. And he, and even though he's used as bookends for the film for a collective 10 minutes of screen time, I guess, I was really only satisfied with his introduction at the beginning. At the end, he almost becomes a different character entirely, just an avatar for Scorpion-isms from the game that don't feel earned. And that's really a lot of this film. Much of it just doesn't feel earned. Yeah. So yeah, disappointed, guys. I'm sorry. And I know a lot of folks were, even on social media, folks were like, oh, no, I was looking forward to this. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, don't, don't hate the messenger. <laughs> anything else to, to say real quick? I just 100% agree here that it, it could have been better with the budget that they had. If Deadpool was able to execute something really great with a small budget, I feel like anybody could have, especially with so much history and backstory from so many lore, games. Lore, yeah. So much lore. Yeah. Before we go to the, the quick spoiler talk, if we have time for it, I want to talk about expectations. When I reviewed Coming to America, the sequel, uh, we got pushback from people who were upset that we didn't like this movie. And that happened a little with Godzilla. And it may happen with this movie, too. These are beloved franchises. And people not only want to like them, but they want others, especially reviewers, like us to do so as well. And this can spark fun conversation and debate, but it can also become problematic in how passionate, quote unquote, people can be. And I want to talk briefly about the framing of expectations. People will say, you know, it's just a comedy. What do you expect? It's just another monster movie. What do you expect? It's just a video game movie. What do you expect? And yes, it is a film based on a video game. Yes, the video game is Mortal Kombat, but you can break down any film, especially genre films like this, to their basic elements and never have expectations. If we boil down superhero movies to the basic element of good guy beats bad guy, then Batman and Robin did its job, right? There were capes, cowls, punches, and batterings thrown. So what else do you expect, right? There is a reason why certain comic book films are more highly regarded than others. And there is a reason why some have been nominated for awards and even won them. There are simply distinct differences in writing, acting, directing, etc. The the execution of adapting these properties. Even before the pandemic started, we lived in bubbles. And increasingly over time, if someone came into that bubble with dissenting opinion, we treated it with hostility. You know, right. what's the what's the common thing in, in circles now? You have chosen violence, you know, after someone just says, oh, I don't like the thing. <laughs> it's violence now. You have chosen violence against me. Um, right. When it comes to these movies, you know, the opinions can range from, well, you're not a real fan if you don't like or you do like this thing that I like or don't like. Or it's, you have unrealistic expectations compared to mine, which are objectively well-placed. Everyone tries to kind of position themselves 
in this this superior point of view and it ranges from like that to like oh you didn't like the last jedi because you hate women <laughs> it's like you know like what <laughs> i really want us to as a culture as a society just examine our language reevaluate our language and how we frame these things how we frame ourselves and frame others and let's actually have a a dialogue not this judgmental point of view when it comes to talking about these pop cultural products it's not that serious mhm do you have anything to say about that no i i agree it i swear like a lot of times hype can kill art but it's still not that serious if somebody doesn't like what you like yeah art is subjective even the greatest cultural products have detractors you know not everyone likes his and kane not everyone loves beyonce it just happens but to to try to place yourself in this high horse of like well of course my taste is great and yours if you don't like it there's obviously a problem with you or if you do like it there's obviously a problem with you because i don't like it and it's like no can we just not like the same things mhm and peacefully just have that discussion about that. Um, do you have time? Are you okay? I mean, I don't have much to say about the spoilers part, part but um, I have do you want to say anything else? I have 10 minutes left before checkout, but I don't have okay. anything else to say. Okay, let's get into the spoiler. So if you guys haven't watched it and you do want it not spoiled, then turn it off. If you do want to hear it, here we go. Oof. Um, we said that there wasn't an actual tournament. Shang Tsung wanted to kill everyone before the tournament began. But looking at the Earth roster, should Shang Tsung really have been worried? <laughs> <laughs> and also, again, why weren't the gods caring about what's going on? I just thought that was just so arbitrarily thrown in. That's a major deal. That's a major plot point, is it not? It's very major. Like, if the gods aren't caring about what's going on, then us as the viewers should be able to see why. Like even if they even if the Earth wins the tournament, can't Shang Tsung just like okay, you won, so what? I'm still gonna kill kill all of you. And take right. over. Like you know what I'm saying? Like what are the stakes now? Exactly. Um, can we talk about the the Highlander plot point of getting tattoos? So someone <laughs> can be born with a tattoo. It is their destiny. But if I kill them, I just inherit it. What if I killed someone on accident? Like I'm a 40 year old soccer mom, and I hit Kano with my car on the way home. I'm just in Mortal Kombat now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It's just goofy. It's almost like the, the the Wizard of Oz, you know, like Dorothy's house just hits the witch and all of a sudden she just takes takes the shoes. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um it was goofy. Then the the whole aspect of pain and anger manifesting your power, they're Saiyans now or X-Men, mutants, you know, like to be honest, I can't think of another way to make the powers happen so quickly, but they did happen quite quickly. Right. Sonia just manifested her powers off screen. Right? Like, mm-hmm. what pain was she going through? And the way that Kano manifested his powers was easily telegraphed, and it was uninteresting to me. Yeah. Let's talk about Hanzo for a moment. For all the Japanese Hanzo spoke in the beginning of this movie, he randomly learned, get over here for the climax. <laughs> Even in the climax, he reverts back to Japanese after that. So you spent centuries in hell, but you only learned three words, my man. I was wondering that as well. Like, I was sitting here like, wait a second. How in the world do these people who have been around for centuries only know one language and only know, like, Sub-Zero only knew for the clan? He was speaking English, Japanese, and Chinese. Oh, I want to go back to Sub-Zero, how it's been centuries since he killed Hanzo, and then Shang Tsung's talking to him on Outworld, and he's like, Bihan, do this. And he's like, yo, man, stop calling me by my government name. I'm Sub-Zero <laughs> now. <laughs> Has this been a running thing? Like Shang Tsung is just trolling 
Bihan. Like he just constantly calls him Bihan. <laughs> it's right. like, dude, I keep telling you, my name is Sub Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just think the the get over here it's just fan service at the worst points. Like imagine being a middle aged weave who never learned Japanese, and I, I come back from the dead after centuries of being in hell, and I fight a dude, and I yell out some anime trope like Shine in some weird voice, and then I just mm-hmm. go back to speaking casual English for the rest of the fight. <laughs> like it was, it was just so awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was really awkwardly place i feel like they should have made it to where hanzo could come back and like speak english because he's been there for centuries that's long enough to learn some languages or just have him speak in japanese and just have the subtitles on the screen like no one's gonna care you know what right I mean? like who cares i'm gonna go to raiden raiden has a temple that was under assault by shang Tsung, but apparently he can zap everyone into limbo where shang Tsung couldn't follow so he was oh essentially trolling everyone so that A, Kano could betray the team, and B, Kung Lao dies. Now, of course, the, the death of Kung Lao was meaningless. None of the characters who hadn't already locked their powers was connected to him. Liu Kang was already 110% about that action. So Lao's death was meaningless, right? That, that part. Are we talking about the void here? <laughs> <laughs> like, the fact that they went to this void, and then he goes... Oh, by the way, Shang Tsung can't follow us here. And I'm like, I sit there for a second. And I think everybody in the audience looked at each other at that moment. And we were like, why weren't we training in the void in the first place? Yeah. Raiden's temple became a cage where the tigers were essentially circling around it the whole time. He could have mm-hmm. just been like, oh, you know what? I'm out. Let's, let's, let's go over here. Um, a death which would have unlocked someone's potential would have been a better writing choice. Like if Cole actually lost a family, his family, or at least the wife or something right? to unlock his power. That would have been much, much, much better choice. Um, really quick, before we go, we got to talk about uh, Sub-Zero. This is a terrible assassin. He has failed every job. <laughs> his every purpose, single his job. Purpose, his purpose at the beginning of the film was to destroy Hanzo's bloodline, but he didn't kill the baby. How that baby stayed quiet in the house is beyond me, by the way. Then the quote-unquote ninja goes about this elaborate way of killing Cole at the beginning of the, with the hailstorm. It was cool, but he's a ninja with centuries of experience. He could have just rolled up to the crib because he did go to the family's crib, right, and kidnapped them easily. He could have just rolled up to the crib and ended the bloodline while they were asleep or whatever. Right. And then even when he does kidnap Cole's family, he freezes them but leaves room for them to be alive for some reason. Yeah, that like, was really for, weird. For what? what? What was the goal there? That, that made zero sense. I was like, why aren't they just dead? Like, they were blue, and they should have been dead. I mean, while they were fighting, they, like, they should have died there. Like, right. it, it did make sense. Like, wasn't the goal to end the bloodline? And the daughter would have had blood in her, right? Right. He freezes Jack's arms and leaves him for dead, but he's recovered by Raiden's people. I mean, t- to Sub-Zero's credit, Jax was bleeding out of his head profusely. He really should have been dead. Did you see uh, Dark Phoenix, the, the X-Men movie? Yeah. You know how when Magneto got his helmet crushed around his head and then Gene shot shards of metal through his vital points and then threw him out of a second story window onto the street, but he was totally fine in the next scene <laughs> on the train or whatever? Mm-hmm. That's how this was. Like, Jax wasn't totally fine. Obviously, he had his his uh, his arms torn off, but there wasn't a scratch on his head at all when he wakes up. He should have been in a coma or, exactly. or, or dead. It was ridiculous. And lastly, speaking of head trauma... If Jax got new arms, why didn't Kano get bandaged up after being cut by a uh, reptile in the head? Yeah, I was wondering why that was still, like, why he still had the scar on his face. 
I mean, those were scars. Those were like gaping wounds. Right. <laughs> it just opened for for days. <laughs> like it. This movie was so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. So dumb. Do you have anything else to say? Because because we're about almost out of time here. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that I had to say. That you know, the void. <laughs> the void. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, well, this was our our quick review. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, shotgun show. Again, we're on Facebook at B L E R D. UP. We're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P and we're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U catastrophe.com of course. Thank you very much TR for being here. Thank you for having um, me. I really want to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's some, um, there's, are you caught up on that at all? Not yet. We'll talk about this. Um, I told everyone we're going to go on a break for um, two weeks. I got to get caught up on some things but uh, I do want to come back and talk about Falcon because I really have some thoughts especially after this past episode. But yeah, thank you all for listening. Take care and peace.